Well, we've been uh, talking the last several weeks about five shifts that every church can make that will help them be more effective in helping people to get connected with Jesus Christ and then to grow up in every way to be more and more like Jesus. And the motive for this, um, making these shifts, is that as we all do this together, God will transform our lives and the lives of others forever. And so, so far we've talked about three shifts, the shift from fellowship to hospitality, the shift from seeing worship as an event that takes place on Sunday morning to seeing worship as something that we do throughout the week and make our uh, lifestyle of worship. And then last week we talked about the shift from membership to discipleship. And today we're going to look at the shift uh, from serve us, uh, take care of my needs, uh, to service. And the message today actually kind of dovetails really nicely with last, last week's message. Um, the point of last week's message was that every ch church will benefit when all of its members make the shift from viewing membership kind of like we do in culture, that it's a, a, a membership means privilege and entitlement and sometimes excludes people, to seeing membership in the church as an invitation to discipleship. And here's the d definition that I gave you last week. Uh, someplace. There it is. Discipleship is the process of growing to become more like Jesus Christ. Uh, that's our goal as followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, as I said last week, uh, a disciple was someone who followed the teacher with the ex express purpose of becoming like their teacher. And so Christian discipleship means becoming like Jesus Christ. And this, this is where last week's message and this week's message come together. You can't really be like Jesus without serving others. Uh, when you think about what it means to become like Jesus Christ, serving may be the, uh, one of the most Christ-like things that we do. When you really understand why Jesus came and who he was, um, then you'll understand the need to serve. Jesus said this in Mark 10:45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And because Jesus came to serve, uh, if we're going to be like him, that has to be our attitude too. And so the focus of the message today is we are most like Jesus when we are serving out of love. And sometimes we serve out of uh, uh, guilt or, you know, somebody pushing us to, but when we serve out of love, we're serving like Jesus. And this is the shift that the author invites us to make. From seeing the church as a place that is uh, here to serve us and our needs, to seeing the church as a place where we come to be equipped and trained and motivated and sent out to serve others. To be like Jesus is to make the shift from serve us to service. And I like what Sue uh, often says, uh, and you've probably heard her say it, the service begins when we leave the church on Sunday. And anybody that knows Sue knows that that's, she lives that out. Those aren't just words for her. And she goes out and she serves, as do many of you. And the church is where we are to be equipped to do that well and 
in a way that has eternal significance. Our, our, the church has a unique call to this. There are many organizations that provide food for the hungry, that do things to put end to, uh, end to human trafficking, child labor, those kinds of things. But the church is called to do these same things with a bigger end in mind. Um, we, we'll miss the boat if we just meet temporary physical needs without meeting eternal spiritual needs in people's lives. And this morning I want to talk to you then about some ways that we can make this shift and be even more effective in what we're already doing in the area of serving and missions. And in the book Shift, uh, where these topics came from, the author talks about five levels of service that you'll find in most churches. And he gives these levels of engagement that are found in churches today. And I think that these are true of individuals as well. So we're going to go through these five and uh, kind of identify uh, where we are in this. The first level is oblivious. Uh, there are some churches that they're just oblivious to the needs around them. They're very inward focused. They're there for themselves, for fellowship, uh, pretty much unaware that there are hurting people around them or not really caring or thinking that they can meet that. And sometimes there'll be leaders within that church who, you know, they're, they're trying to reach out, they're outward focused, but they're always um, in a struggle with these inward focused folk for resources because, uh, you know, they can't believe that God can provide for the church and for the people that they, they've been sent to. And then the second level is there's awareness of need and God's uh, call to help. So in these churches, uh, they'll be preaching, teaching in Sunday school and small groups and such about the needs around them. But there's not really any um, action that's prescribed or given. They're pretty much left as individuals to find a way to respond to the need. Then the third level is missional gestures. And this goes beyond um, just awareness of the need to offer some kind of support. And at this level, there's not really any actual contact with the people being helped, but the church uh, has takes up special offerings uh, to send. They uh, allow groups to use their building like AA. Uh, they partner with other churches to financially support a, a food bank, but they do these kind of uh, things that make them feel good, but they have little contact with the people that they're helping. Then the next level is called ministries of engagement. And at this level, the church not only recognizes that there's needs, but responds in ways that help the people in the church to become engaged in the lives of those that they're helping. And so this is like hands-on ministry. And as I read this chapter of the book, you know, I felt really good about the number of ministries that we have and the number of ways that all of you are out in the community involved in these kinds of ministries of engagement. We have people that volunteer at the free store, uh, Salvation Army with Meals on Wheels, number of ministries where you have direct contact with the people that you're serving. So we've gone beyond that level of missional gestures. But my goal today in this message is to encourage you to see these places that you're already serving as places where God might use you to make an eternal difference in people's lives. 
rather than just an opportunity to meet a temporary physical need. And to help us understand the difference, um, I have a video that I'd like us to watch together of someone that took a step to get, to get engaged in a deeper way in the lives of the people that she was serving. So let's watch the video together. <clears throat> had a real busy job in business consulting, demanding high expectations. And definitely felt like work was kind of my world. I started to experience my success, got big raises, got lots of props at work. And it definitely lured me in. It was fun to have money to spend and enjoy those privileges. I trusted Christ as my savior at a young age, but when I'm growing up in high school and college, it was like a sit and soak. It's kind of like I made church about me and kind of a consumer mentality. I feel like the Lord captured my heart. He's like, wait, you have a lot more to give. So I was teaching a Bible study for women, came across a verse in Galatians that said, remember the poor. And it's like a distinct kind of mark where I kind of sat up and was like, remember the poor? Hmm, am I doing that? I don't know any poor people. And then a few months into that, something at church was about this kitchen in South Dallas that serves the homeless twice a week. So it serves about 180 folks. I actually, the first time, went with my now husband. It's like amazing. It's less than like 10 miles from our home. But I thought, wow, there's a different world down here. I remember kind of probably being wide-eyed, you know, just I couldn't kind of see if humanity was really, frankly, so close to home, but so far from my reality. Any little act of kindness really caused them to respond. Um, and so I felt like asking their names kind of created a you care response. I was like, I can do this. This isn't about giving them a meal. It's about serving and respecting them. I was down in the kitchen serving about once a week um, for probably almost a year. And then one of the girls in the kitchen said, hey, why don't you come to Bible study with us? And so now 18 months later, I spent my Thursdays in Bible study with these inner city, often past incarcerated, mostly homeless, awesome women. It's like crazy different than most Bible studies I've been in, some have walked as much as an hour, others need a ride, and we just forget about basic resources. They don't have cars to get there, they don't come showered, and they come hungry. Frankly, it's tough relationally because honestly, someone won't show up for two weeks and we can ask someone where they are and they might be on a drinking binge again. But it's a real fun place to just tell them, look, the door's always open, no matter where you've been or what you've done, come back. We love you and we welcome you. Like their pain is such on a survival level, and it feels like my pain is more kind of on the realm of um, desires, not basic needs in life. I think of Diane. Just last week, Diane showed up sweating and exhausted and tired. And, you know, she's been in an abusive relationship. And, and so just to have her broken and saying, I don't want to go back. I need help. You know, with Sarah May, it's often taking her after Bible study to get her her medicine. You know, when it's she's 55 and it's 100 plus degrees in August, a ride to Walgreens is a huge gift. Or Bonita, I think if her mom died last year, but getting to Parkland to visit her mom in the hospital. Just ministering to them in those different ways. It seems like a one-sided relationship in the world's eyes, but if you really make it about loving them as Christ loved us, then you can stay down there indefinitely and not grow weary and doing good. But I feel like we're sisters in Christ sitting at the same table, studying the Word of God, and we're coming to the Word of God with very different issues and heartaches and heartbreaks, but then God is Lord of all. I really tried to make some choices at work, which may meant at times not kind of being the superstar at work, to set some boundaries to be available for other things. I call it my um, less money, more life campaign. And that takes some sacrifices and a smaller house and an 11-year-old car and 
that sweet work of the Lord, because at heart I'm crazy materialistic and I really like nice stuff. So the Lord's done a sweet work to trade in some of those things that I once held high. It really is fun to develop the relationships with these women over a period of time and decide to share life with them. One of the fun things for Scott and I is we started living life down there and started thinking about our friends in South Dallas as truly our friends and not just kind of we step in to South Dallas and we go back to our comfortable life. Scott proposed on the steps of the White House, which and the White House is an old, actually, kind of colonial house where we have Bible study. And so some of the first people to know um, were the girls in the neighborhood. And one of them walked several blocks over and I was like, Sarah, how'd you know? She said, word travels fast in the hood. I want to be the first to congratulate you. The Lord really burdened our heart with Luke 14 and just the passage of invite those who can't pay you back. So we had a Luke 14 wedding and even the venue for a wedding wouldn't be a place. It would be welcoming and inviting for them. And so it's been fun to truly share our lives and let them bless us and Lord willing be a blessing to them. I really like that video for several uh, reasons. Uh, one of the five prayers that we're praying as a church this year is that God would um, help us to learn how to listen to and respond to His Holy Spirit. And this video gives us a great picture of what listening and responding to the Holy Spirit looks like in real life. I mean, here's someone who was raised in the church but wasn't really uh, living for God. She was living for material gain. But God was still speaking to her, and he was continuing to invite her into a deeper relationship with him to get involved in his kingdom work. And at one point, you know, he got through, and she heard those words uh, that, hey, you can do something. Uh, you can do more than this, and you can do something. So she started leading a Bible study in her church. And to move from this serve us, or the, as she said, the sit and soak uh, mode, to service, we have to be open to God's leading. We need to recognize, like she did, that God calls everyone to be involved in his kingdom work in some way. And the first step, then, that I would like to lift up this morning as we think about moving from serve us to service is for each of us to realize that you can do something. Everyone can do something. And that, that's where it starts. When uh, you see a need, rather than assuming that someone else will take care of that need, realize that God has brought it to your attention, giving you that invitation for you to do something. And you know, we all have different gifts and passions and things that we're good at and wired to do. Uh, for her, it was teaching the Bible to adults. Uh, for you, it might be teaching the Bible to kids or building things with your hands or feeding people or mentoring youth or tutoring kids or ministering in rest homes. We're all created to do something. We all have different things that we're interested in and that something will be different depending on your gifts and wiring. So we have to listen to God and be open to uh, when he invites us to serve in some way to meet the needs around us. And the second thing that I like about this video is that you could see the process of discipleship in her life. Her, her story gives us this great picture of how God takes us one step at a time in the process of becoming more like his son, Jesus Christ. 
and living her life more like Jesus lived his life. Um, she heard God say, you can do something. And then she responded by starting this Bible study. And in the midst of that, then uh, when her heart was ready, God spoke to her through that very simple passage of Scripture. Remember the poor. Uh, remember the poor. Here's the next step that you should take. And so much of discipleship is like that, just learning to hear the still small voice of God and responding to it. And, you know, she could have very easily read that scripture and then just gone about her day. You know, some, you, have you ever had that? You read something convicting in scripture and then you say, oh, you know, okay. And then you just go on with your day and you, you know, feel guilty about it for a little bit, but you don't really do anything about it. She could have gotten up and just written a, a nice check to Haiti Hot Lunch or something, you know, remember the poor, okay, I will, here's some money. But she didn't do that. She paused, she examined her heart, and she said, am I really doing that? Uh, am I really remembering the poor? She, she realized she didn't know any poor, and she became aware of the opportunities that were already there in her church that just weren't on her ra radar before, and she got involved in that. And it was just interesting to see how um, she eventually took those gifts that she was already using in the church of leading a Bible study and used those in this new setting. Or to look at it another way, how God had prepared her through the Bible study that she led in her church to uh, lead this Bible study in a new setting. So um, she went beyond giving to engaging. And that's the second step of uh, ministry of engagement. The second thing we'll need to do is decide to do something that allows you to engage in people's lives and make an eternal difference. You know, there will be times when you have these opportunities to, to give or help in some way where you don't have direct contact with the person you're not able to. And there's very few of us that are going to go to, like, Colombia and help uh, women get free from human traffickers down there, you know. But we can give to those things and put an end to that kind of slavery. We can uh, give and serve in ways uh, that don't have direct contact, and we should do that. But we also need to look at, for those opportunities, when we can do something that allows us to invest in people's lives, to make friendships with people that will make an eternal difference. And one thing that I thought of when I was reading um, this chapter in the book was the free store. You know, our original intention there was that we were going to have a table and coffee pot and chairs, and we were going to sit down with people before we opened and have a devotional time, and we really wanted to build those relationships. That was part of the vision. And that just hasn't uh, developed in the way that we'd hoped. That space was too small, and there's no water for coffee. Uh, there's just no place to sit down with people and develop those friendships. And, you know, I, I think that um, one of the things we need to look then at then in our vision is, uh, do we need to get a bigger space? Do we need to move to a space where we can not only... Um, have build those kind of relationships, but then as we sit down with people and find out what are their needs, uh, maybe offer some other services in that space, some, uh, whether it's helping with writing resumes or offering tutoring for kids. 
but to allow God to lead that and, and to really put the emphasis back again on that original vision to build relationships that God can use to help people get connected to Jesus Christ. Because that's, that's our end goal in doing that. People need clothing, but what they really need is to be clothed with Jesus Christ and to have resurrection bodies. Whenever God, uh, wherever God leads you to serve, I would encourage you to look beyond getting the task done. Uh, look beyond dishing up food or handing out bags of food or handing out clothing items to ask the question, how can I engage this person or these people in a way that God might use to help them get connected to life in Jesus Christ? I, I like the way that the woman responded to God, uh, the woman in this video. She, she heard the word of God uh, as she was reading the Bible, remember the poor. And God used that to cause her to question and to examine her life. And she began to wonder if she really cared about the things that God cares about. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I wonder, um, since Jesus came to serve, not to be served, where, where are you on those levels of serving? You know, are, are you oblivious? I don't think anybody here is. Are you aware but not that involved? Are you making some gestures, uh, giving, offering, that kind of thing? Are you involved in a ministry of engagement where you're in connection with people and having direct contact? And if so, are you seeing that setting and that ministry as a place that you can develop friendships that God might use to change that person, maybe even that person's family and their eternities? Um, wherever you are, are on that scale, I wonder if you're willing to move to the next level, you know, to take that next step of faith in 2005, to be used by God to change a life. You know, we're not called to sit and soak, but we're called to service. Jesus uh, says this in John 15:13, and it's our memory verse today, so let's read it together. John 15:13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15:13 Let me close with this question. Are your friends limited to people just like you? And if so, is there a step that you can take this year to change that? Go ahead and pull out your connection card. Um there's three ways there that you might respond. God may be speaking to you about something else. Maybe he's already put it on your heart, uh, some ministry or uh, some need that you've seen. And that's the second one there. Uh, I've seen a need, and I'm going to ask God to show me the something that I need to do to meet that need. And like we were, I was just saying, it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, the free store just involved so many different skills. Harold helped build it out. Other, you know, Jessica helped... Uh, with the 
decorating and Sherry does the bookkeeping and, you know, people come in and hand out clothing. It's just everybody uh, gets involved in a different way according to your skills and your gifts. So you have to ask God, how can I meet this need? How do you want me to be involved? And then um, number three, I'm committing to take a step to the next level of serving in 2015. All right, let's pray. Loving God, I, I thank you for this uh, church that has a history of reaching out and being involved in the community and caring for others. And I pray that you would help us, God, to have open eyes uh, for the opportunities that you give us to kind of take that up a step, to, to ramp it up, to, to um, see the ways that you could use what we're already doing to help people come into faith in Jesus Christ and into a church family where uh, they will be grown up in Christ and sent out to do what you created them to do, God. And we all get to be a part of that process, and we thank you for it. And we have, we pray that you'll open doors uh, in the coming year for us to do that more and more. For the glory of Jesus Christ, and in his name we ask it. Amen.